The Word is for everyone. It's alive and active, filled with wisdom, truth, and hope. Understanding and interpreting its pages can seem overwhelming, but this podcast is here to help. This is Unschooled and Ordinary. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Unschooled and Ordinary podcast. It's so good to have you with us. My name is Tyler. I'm the host, and I'm here with my good friends, Brandy Stewart and Angie Gates. So we are headed into our first week of House Church, and we are really looking forward to this, ready to dive into Scripture, but we don't want to go too quick. So Brandy, Angie, what are some good tips as we kick off a new year of House Church? I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is putting myself into a new person's shoes. I know a lot of house churches are going to have new people that are coming, or maybe you have multiplied and it is a brand new group altogether. Um, but I always try to remember what it felt like for my first time walking into that new group where everyone seemed to know each other already, and it was a house I'd never been to. And I just always try to tell myself to do for the new people what I had wanted someone to do for me. And they did. Uh, But it made me feel so welcome to be seen, to not be left alone, to have someone walk me through, hey, this is whose house this is. This is what we're going to do. So just putting yourself into a new person's shoes and do for them what you want it done for you. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, just to be willing to get out of our comfort zone a little bit. It's Mm -hmm. easy to stay with the people that we know for sure. You know what I love about any any good gathering? You know what that is, Angie? I'm sure it pertains to something fun. Absolutely. <laughs> it's playing a game. How did we know? Yeah, because you got to have like a, a good icebreaker or something. Or something. So for this one, let's play a little game. It's called the name game. So this is how this goes. And this, I mean, this promotes just great time in your house church and great time in the podcast studio. <laughs> So here's the game. I'm going to say a word, mm-hmm. and then you say a word related to that word. Okay. And then, Angie, you'll say a word related to Brandy's word. doesn't have to be connected to my word. Sound good? Sure. All right. You ready? Maybe. And this can be done with three people. It can be done with 30 people. You ready? Yes. Horse. Hey. Ah, <laughs> uh, field. Baseball. Snacks. Popcorn. Movies. Candy. Chips. <laughs> oh, no. Candy chips. <laughs> it's a snack. They're it's all you eat. I like chips. I don't like candy. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. All right, I got nothing else. I got nothing else. <laughs> I feel like I just learned a lot about you guys. You always yeah. scare me with that game. <laughs> Why is that game scary? Just don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> That's kind of the point. It's right? intimidating. <laughs> um, but the, the thing about it is it's nothing serious. It gets people talking. It gets people laughing. People let their guard down. One of the things Byron Malone always says is you can never underestimate the power of fun. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about for the upcoming semester and year, we want our house churches to focus on biblical discovery, learning more about the Bible, And in order to do that, I think we need to build relationships with the people in our house church so then we can go further than if it was just come in, all right, let's get down to business. (laughs) So let's get down to business. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10, 
And we're going to look at a few verses. Brandy's going to read that here uh, in a second. This is what Jeff will be preaching from on Sunday, or if you're listening to this after Sunday, what he has already talked on. Um, And so we're going to dive into it right now, Acts chapter 10. Okay. Verse 1 says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Nice. What What are a couple things that stood out to y'all about um, Cornelius? He was devout and God-fearing. Devout, God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed regularly. Yeah. So we, we see those things in... At least I know that the word fear is highlighted several times throughout this chapter. What What is that about when when we think about fear? Because I've you know I've always thought, man, God is just a loving God. Why would Cornelius fear God? Hmm. I went down a major rabbit hole on this word this week. Um, so bear with me a little bit, but I love so much, Angie and I talked about this a little, so I bet she can tell you some more, but one of the definitions for that was that it was awesome and terrifying. So to see God as someone who is awesome yet terrifying, and it's the word awe in awesome that really stuck out. You know, Angie, I would love if you would tell us what you learned about that this week. Well, I think that, like, if you ask anybody what the fear of the Lord means to them, that's kind of the word they go to. This, oh, I have this awe, I have this reverence of God. Um, When in reality, it does have two faces to it. And one of the things that I learned this week was that word, the meaning of it changed after around the 18th century. Because before, if you look at the root word, it is also where we get the word awesome and awful. So it's two completely different things. I mean, we think of awesome and we think of something amazing and great and wonderful and, you know, glorious and which is the kind of where we tend to lean when we're talking about God. We see the the reverence and we just we see the sunsets and we see all of these beautiful um, sceneries and we just majestic, you know, that's where that comes from. But we kind of forget the other side where awful is derived from, where it can be very scary and terrifying. And that word before the, the change came actually meant to tremble. And so I feel like we kind of miss it a lot of times when we talk about the fear of the Lord, because we view more of the, the majestic and the grand and the reverence, which is right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we don't really always remember that we should tremble before him. Mm-hmm. And and, I, and I'm like convicted myself because I can't really tell you um, the, if there's ever been a time where I've trembled before the Lord mm-hmm. because of who I was talking to. That's a really good point. And uh, I thought about like, how, how, did, how did these two go together? Awesome, awful. But if you think of like a, a sunset... Or the ocean. You know, we, we stand in awe sometimes at a beautiful sunset. 
Well, if you get too close to the sun, it's going to kill you. <laughs> like, there's a way to, to view this, like, oh, it's so beautiful, but then have a fear for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's one of the things that we see with Cornelius is the reason why he was ministering to the poor and he was giving, and here we see how um, he, he follows the Lord's orders to go see Peter. He does these things because he fears the Lord, um, which is contrary to a lot of us. I, th- I think it is very easy for us to fear man over fearing God. How can you tell the difference between the two? Or how can you tell if you fear man more than you fear God? Um, I heard a statement this past week. It said, if you fear man, you do not fear God. But if you fear God, you do not fear man. And I guess if you really think about what that means, it's very true. Because if we, I mean, we fear things that we can't control or things that are a danger to us. And if you truly fear the creator to the extent that we should, then we would understand that there's nothing else to fear that he is in control of all the things that we do fear. But if you let our, your fear lean towards fearing man, then it kind of should be a red flag to us that we don't accurately have a, a view of God that we should. We don't fear God enough or put him in the place that we should because we hold all this fear of other things. So I think it's, um, I don't know, a, a flag for me to kind of really meditate and shift my perspective as to, to where does my fear really lie, and is it in the right place? And, and for me, it's not. I, I know that it's not. Yeah, and we could probably like continue to talk on this, but there's more scripture that we need to tackle. And just, just for a tip, if you're leading a house church, you can't always uh, dictate where the conversation is going to go. So if you open up God's Word and y'all get lost on verse 2, and you spend 30 to 45 minutes there, don't feel like you got to rush to answer all of the questions that are on the discussion guide. Like just let the scripture lead you where it's going to lead you. But for now, mm-hmm. we need to keep it going a little bit. So um, after this, Cornelius and uh, some of his servants are headed to Peter's house because that's what the Lord told him to do. And while that has taken place, Peter goes into this trance, like he's having a dream. And in this dream, God tells him that he is to get up and eat four-legged animals. And Peter said, oh, no, sir, not me. I don't eat those type of things. I don't eat anything unclean. And God responds to him, and he says, do not call anything unclean that I have made clean. And there's some dietary things that are lifted there, but the big spiritual implication is Jesus came for both the Jew and the Gentile, the clean and what the Jews considered unclean, people who were not Jewish. So you have Peter who's getting this revelation while there is a caravan of Gentiles coming to his house. And then this is where we pick up, Brandy, if you'll read this. What, what's the verse? Starting in verse 34. Verse 34 says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. 
You know what has happened through the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That is a jam-packed passage right there. <laughs> There's a lot. If if you want to figure out what all of Scripture is about and what the life of Jesus is, his death, burial, and resurrection, just go right there. Mm-hmm. That that lays out so much good stuff. Let's let's go back to uh, verse 34, the first verse that you read. What What did that say again? Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. That right there, God does not show favoritism. How do you think that was challenging Peter's current thought? Because mm. Peter was a, a Jewish man. Um, his whole life, he had a certain way of viewing himself and viewing his people versus viewing other people. This seems to fly right in the face of it. So what do you think was going on in his mind? I think he definitely had some fear, but I don't know if it's the same kind of fear that we talked about in the beginning. I think this was more of the fear of man and a little bit of fear of God of doing the wrong thing. But he had a way. This is the way it's always been done. These are the way these are the people that we're supposed to be around. And I'm sure there was a lot of fear in his heart. Yeah. Angie, how do you think this challenged his thinking? Well, I think it took a lot of courage because um, it, it it says we didn't cover this section, but in chapter ten it talks about how when he enters Cornelius's house, he says, "You know, I want you to realize that it's basically illegal for me to be here. Like mm-hmm. I shouldn't be in your home." And so this is so new for his way of thinking, the way he was raised, everything that he was taught to be right, and it was challenging. So he had to step out in faith and know. I know what God is telling me in order to be able to make that move. So he had to be not just challenged in his thinking, but he had to have so much courage to be that first person to be willing to do something a little different because he know what God said. How, how does this challenge us today, 21st century, knowing that God doesn't show favoritism? <laughs> I mean, just being honest, I show favoritism. There are certain people I like more than others. Yeah. But how how does this challenge us in the 21st century? I think especially living in the Bible Belt, I don't know about y'all, but not to take it back to how I grew up again, but growing up, we were kind of taught these same things. We just put different words. It wasn't Jew, Gentile, clean and unclean, but it's basically what it meant. Like, hey, there are these this small group of people that are allowed into our club, AKA the church. And there are a lot of people that weren't. And it, the rules were so unclear, (laughs) you know, it was everything from were you dressed right to, did you look right? 
And I think that has been such a battle. It's one thing I love about venture. I feel like that is one of the things that we're not perfect at, but I think we're doing a really good job at of not saying, hey, the clean versus unclean, you know, but that has been something that I've had to wrestle with from what I was taught growing up to what I see in scripture and how I should actually live that out. Yeah, very good. And it's the saying that, uh, what is the saying? But basically all sin is level at the cross. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's yeah. said a little bit different, but when we realize that we are all sinners mm-hmm. and all of us are imperfect and one day we'll stand before a holy God who is perfect, then that, I mean, that really begins to change how we look at people, mm-hmm. realizing I'm no better than anybody else. So in saying that, we're coming into house churches all across South Mississippi. How can, how can those of us who have been in house church, we've been doing this for a while, we're followers of Jesus, how can we foster a welcoming environment when people are coming into house church? I think it goes back to what Brandy said. Um, remember what it was like the first time that you went to house church or anywhere that you just were uncomfortable or didn't know anybody. But not only that, like to have the same kind of courage that we're talking about Peter had here. And if it's uncomfortable for you to step out of, of what is normal, what, you know, you just kind of sit back and maybe just take it in, then that is courageous to take that step and say, I see somebody new. I'm just going to go say, Hey, my name's Angie. And, and just see where God takes the conversation rather than sitting back like you always do. So just kind of not just attending house church just to go for you, but with the mindset that there are people that need you. There are people that need your story. And as you build those relationships, just be willing to have the courage to step out of your comfort zone and see what God does with it. Nice, nice. So guess we're coming to the end of our second podcast. I've been enjoying my time with y'all. Um, as we as we finish this, just want this to be a reminder to everybody that this podcast is going to be released weekly, and this is going to be a tool to help anybody who's leading a house church. If you're going to house church, you're you're getting some insider information here, so you can. It's like you showed up and you studied for the test. You can come in knowing a little more about what's going on, and so use this as a tool. And uh, it's replacing the mini message, right? Is that how we're saying that? Not quite. Not quite? <laughs> yeah. No more mini message. No at more all. mini message. It's not being replaced with anything except a really good discussion. Okay, so they can show up, turn on this podcast, and sit back. No, no. you're still not getting it, <laughs> Tyler. Oh. <laughs> I don't, one more time. Yeah, no. So you're going to listen to this podcast before House Church okay. to prepare yourself for the discussion on Wednesday night. Well, that is news to me. <laughs> <laughs> you can do this. Yeah. Well, y'all, we love you. Thank you for tuning in to the Unschooled and Ordinary podcast. We're praying for you. We love you. We'll get you next time. Peace. Unschooled and Ordinary is an original podcast from Venture Church. While this podcast is great for individual study, the word really comes alive when we talk about it and apply it to our lives in house church. House churches are small groups of believers gathered in homes for a meal, scripture study, discipleship, and prayer in a trusted community of faith. They meet on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. in homes throughout South Mississippi, and you can join anytime. To find a house church near you, visit venturechurch.org slash housechurch.